I hope everyone had a great 4th of July last night, fireworks, the whole shebang, and uh, I'm glad we're here this morning. We're going to be talking about living in God's strength, something that, at least for me, growing up in a Christian home, in the church, we throw around the phrase, um, getting through things in God's strength. And I think a lot of times when we say that, we say that when we're going through something really, really hard, when we realize that our strength just isn't enough to get through these times of difficulty. And so what we do is we submit, and we kind of just say it. It just kind of rolls off the tongue, and we say we're living in God's strength. Well, this morning, I want to talk about living in the storms with God's strength, but I also want to talk about living through the calms of life in God's strength, because the same strength that we use from God to get through those storms of life is the same strength he wishes us to use when we're in the calms of life, just doing what he's asked us to do every single day. So this morning we're going to be in Psalms 31. So if you would open there, up there with me, starting with verse 1. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me. Incline your ear to me. Rescue me quickly. Be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. For your namesake, you will... Lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord God of truth. I hate those who regard vain isles, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness, because you have seen my affliction. You have known the troubles of my soul, and you have not given me over into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a large place." So just like Stephen was talking earlier, a lot of these psalms are written by David. And David is a grown man. And David comes to God in utter despair. I imagine he's probably in tears. He's afraid for his own life. He's scared in his own kingdom, a place where he's supposed to have security and safety. And yet he's in fear for his own life, his own well-being. The best thing that we can kind of try to relate to is a, a girl writing in her journal at night when she's just really upset with how the day has gone. It's the same thing. David's coming to God with everything that's been hard-pressed on his life, and he's going to someone that can make a difference. He's going to something, someone that's given him hope before. Because it's the same God that was able to use a few pebbles to knock down Goliath. He's going to that same God that he had before in his youth. About a month ago, I worked at a camp, and... I had seven, eight, and nine-year-olds. Woohoo! Right? And I got to work with a bunch of high-energy kids who um, needed a babysitter pretty much for a week. And one of those nine-year-olds was a kid that was so very sheltered at home. He was an only child. He had never really been away from mom for more than a sleepover. And now he was here for a whole week in an outdoors-only camp. There's no AC in the cabins. There's mosquitoes everywhere. The food is okay. But more importantly, mom wasn't there. And that was really hard for him to understand. He was so homesick. He would cry every night until tears just wouldn't come out of his eyes because how much he missed his mom. And I know this is kind of sounding like a heartwarming story about a kid that misses his mom, but really, guys, you weren't there. So... When I was in this situation, the, the, he would cry every night, 
But he would also cry about the little things, and he would be disruptive, and he would throw things, he would push people. If his shoe wasn't found under the clutter of stuff that was on the floor, he would throw a fit, and he couldn't find anything on his own. He had to get me for everything that he had to do, even for the restroom. Like, anything that this kid had to do, he needed someone else to help him along the way. And more importantly, that was his mom. His mom was the one that provided for every single need. Anytime this kid was in an uncomfortable situation, his mom showed up and put her arms around him. But this week, he didn't have that. This week, he had to, quote, struggle, in his words, through this week. He was uncomfortable. He didn't trust anybody. There wasn't his mom there. And so I had to talk him through and how this week of camp was something that his mom wanted him to go through. That she wanted him to experience life outside of her. Because she wouldn't be there for the rest of his life. She wouldn't be able to hold his hand as they walked through college together. I don't think he would want that. But he had found his source of strength and he had found his source of refuge in his mother. Just like King David had done the same with his own kingdom. As a king, it makes sense for you to gain strength from your own kingdom. They provide every single need for you. They provide a home for you, protection, And so it was natural for him to understand that he could gain strength and a source of refuge within his own walls. But later in Psalms 31, we see that there are people within his own kingdom that are wishing to kill him for the way that he's handled his kingdom and for the way that he's handled his own personal life. And so what we see is his own kingdom isn't strong enough to uphold him. And just like this camper's mom isn't there all the time, she can't always be his source of strength. So, what we see is, here in verse 7, I will rejoice and be glad in your loving kindness, because you have seen my affliction. You you have known the troubles of my soul. You have known the troubles of my soul. Honestly, I can't take a piece of paper and list out the troubles of my soul, because I honestly don't know what that even looks like. But yet, God understands. God created that within me. He put that within me to understand what is going to be my afflictions growing up in life. He knows what I'm going through better than I do. And so God knows that what King David needs is not only a refuge for him to escape his own kingdom, to find peace and comfort, but he needs enough strength to lead his kingdom, even when his kingdom is against him. He needs to be able to take charge and be the leader that this kingdom can look up to in this time of trouble. This camper understands that everything his life has been focused around has something to do with his mom. But he needs to widen his mindset. God understands that he needs to work through this camper's insecurities to show him that God is better, that God is stronger, that God cares even more. God understands where we need strength. God knows where we need strength. In every single part of our life, we need to submit and know that God understands us better than we do, and he understands our struggles better than we do. He understands that we need strength to be a parent. I'm living with a family right now, and at 9 o'clock, they go to bed, and then at 9.30, they're like, Mom, Mom, I can understand. You know, I'm not in that place yet, but I can understand how you need strength to be able to work with kids, okay? And working with this camper for a week, I can totally understand you. One night, I was asleep, and then there was a storm, and I wake up probably around 3 a.m., and I roll over, and there's a kid looking at me, staring at me, like, can I go to the restroom? I was like, hold on, okay. Let's, let's calm down there for a second. I had to get up and walk him out to the bathroom as it's pouring rain outside. It was awesome. But 
I understand that there is a great deal of strength that needs to be happening within your life, a greater source of strength than yourself. So something I like to do when I want to clear my head, when I kind of want to just get outside and I want to see something different, is I go hiking. And I learned this from one of my friends, and he, he likes to go exploring. And so I kind of like to do my own exploring at the same time. And just to let you know, you shouldn't ever go hiking or exploring on your own, just to let you know. Um, I kind of learned that this past week. Anyways, um, so I was, I was hiking, and I was walking through this riverbed, and I was, I was killing it, guys. I was walking. I was stepping stones. There was no water on me. And I kind of like swung from one branch to the other side of the riverbed. But then I got to this spot where this is where I ended up. And as you can see, um, there's this green pool right here with a branch. This is actually a tree that had fallen over and into the water. And right here is this little rock face right here. And up here is the dirt. And so when I got to this point, there's only two sides to the riverbed. And everything else is underwater in that green pool. And I was thinking to myself, I can, I can do this. I can, I can get this done. I can go around this thing. And so I was thinking, if I hopped onto this rock right here, and I kind of did what Tom Cruise does in every Mission Impossible, where he shimmies across the skyscraper, if I can do that on here, I can get past it. I can do this. And so when I hopped on this rock face, I didn't realize, but it was slippery. That dirt was actually mud. What had happened two weeks ago when a, not the tropical storm, but the actual storm before that when all that rain came, this was all underwater. And so this was still slick. This was mud. And so as soon as I get out there and I I get two feet in and I realize my shoes are slipping. So I take my shoes off, flip them off to the side. and I, I got my toes on there. I got way better grip with my toes. And so I go, and I lean in, and I lean in again, and as soon, as soon as I get out into the middle, my foot slips, and I go straight into the water. I have never gotten out of water faster than I did right there, because I didn't know what was under that green, watery stuff, okay? So I get out of the water, and I realize that I seriously cannot get to the other side. And what we see is, is David calls God his rock of strength. So picture that, that rock face as God, okay? That is at the very foundation of our strength. And King David decides to put dirt, his kingdom, on top of the rock. He decides, you know what, God, you're, you're strong, I get that, but I think as a king, I need a little bit more strength, okay? So I'm going to put my kingdom on top of you, and I'm going to stand on top of that dirt, which is on top of you, God. And I'm going to get even more strength. But as soon as he starts to kind of lose track of himself and starts to kind of lose track of being a king and a storm comes into his life and the rain comes and wets the dirt and turns it into mud, he realizes he starts slipping. He starts sinking. He starts sliding across this dirt that turns into mud. And he eventually, though a very hard fall, he lands on God. He lands on the rock of strength. He finds out that God is at the really pit of it all. When you hit rock bottom, you're hitting God. And so he had decided to put more strength when he didn't even need any. 
He understands that if we are just standing here on God, if we're allowing God to be our rock of strength, our only source and divine source of strength, that we can do incredible things. The camper decided to kind of make his own rock. He decided to make mom his rock, this, this solid mass, and put it on top of God. I asked him, so if, if mom was here at camp, would you be able to do the activities with the rest of the group, and he said, yeah, as long as my mom's here watching me. I said, okay, so what happens when you go off to college? What happens when you go over to friends' houses? Does your mom come with you? He said, no, because I, I, know, I know God's looking out for me. But somehow, he had missed the point of God just wasn't enough. God just, him being there wasn't enough for him. He needed more security. He needed more comfort than what God could provide him. Because he had seen so much direct influence from his mom that he hadn't really seen what was really behind it all. His mom had noticed it and decided to take a step back and allow for her to get out of the picture for just a week. And so when, when we see this, we go right into verse 14 with me. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies, and from those who persecute me. Make your face to shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness. Let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call upon you. Let the wicked be put to shame. Let, the, let them be silent and sheol. Let the lying lips be mute, which speak arrogantly against the righteous with pride and content. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons of men. You hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of man. You keep them secretly in shelter from strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has made marvelous his loving kindness to me in a besieged city. As for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplication when I cried to you. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. God understands that he can hear us when we cry out to him. When we take that step of faith like David is here and he's just kind of giving it all out, God is listening. God wants to be there for us. And the verse 14, he says, but as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. He's trusting in God that God is going to come through as his rock, as his hope, as his source of strength. There was this movie that came out I want to say four years ago, and it looked great on the previews. I was excited. There was a lot to be seen. There were two really good actors in it. I was excited to see it. It looked like it had a good storyline. But as you know, anytime a dog is the main character of a film, you understand what's going to happen at the end, okay? And so how many of us have seen Marley and Me? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, that's a rough, rough film, and that is the cutest thing I've ever seen. But in the movie, Marley is this rambunctious Labrador retriever, and rambunctious is the right word. He is a ridiculously high-energy dog who destroys tons of things. He eats everything, and then, of course, they show up in the yard a couple days later. But he does these weird, weird acts, and he kind of gets a name for himself for being this ridiculous dog that honestly no one would want. But he's able to kind of just hold this family together as they progress through life. Well, eventually, as he gets older, 
and they move into this new house, he starts to kind of lose his strength a little bit. And one night, he decides to leave the home, and he's laying out on the neighbor's yard by this tree, and he's just kind of laying there and waiting for life to just fade away from him, to pass. He realizes he just doesn't have enough strength to continue on. But even more sad, he understands that he doesn't have enough strength to even be himself. He got a name for himself for being this energetic, ridiculous dog that does the worst things ever. And he didn't have enough strength to continue to be who he was. And I see that the same way in my own Christian walk. Growing up, we are told that we have so many things that God's calling us to be. One, we have to be a son of God. We have to do everything that a son of God would do. We have to replicate exactly what Jesus does in his ministry. In the morning, we need to wake up and we need to be on our knees in prayer for God to show up with us today. At night, we need to be in thankful of heart for everything that he's done for us. We need to be hanging with the right crowd. We need to be evangelizing. We need to be honoring our parents. With everything that we do, we have to be almost perfect, it seems. And there's so many things for us to be doing. There's so many callings in life that God is telling us that we're supposed to be doing. And so what I did is I picked and choose. I said, okay, I can honor my family. I can honor my parents every now and then. I'll take that one on. Um, I can do good in school. I'll, I'll hold on to that. You know, evangelizing, that requires like getting out of your friend group, getting out of your comfort zone. So I'm just going to leave that one out there for someone else to take. Um, lying, you know, that just kind of slips off the tongue, so I'm just going to leave that out there. But I can definitely stay out of the party scene. I can sort of read my Bible every day, and I'll hold on to these. And I can, I can do this in my own strength. I can hold on to this. This is what I can control. But God is saying there's more to life than that. God's saying there's so much more that I'm calling you to, not to overwhelm you, but to provide strength for you. If you want a life of abundance, of an incredible, joyful life, you will submit to my will and follow in the steps that I have for you. If you trust in me, if you have faith to continue on in the things that you do, if you want to be a great dad, if you want to be a great husband, submit to what I'm saying to you and be of good, in, in good trust and faith and know that I'm going to provide the strength for you to be able to get up in the middle of the night to tuck your kids back in for the fourth time. Be there when I tell you to be there. Listen to me when I talk to you. And so, wait, we're supposed to stand on this rock of strength when the storms of life are raging, but we're all supposed to stand on the rock of strength when we're operating in God's will. When we're doing things for his kingdom, we're supposed to be standing firm on the rock of strength. So how do we get strength? I understand that if we just take a step of faith, that God's obviously going to be behind us. He's going before us. But how do we truly get that strength? Just like in every moment in life, when you go through something difficult, you don't want to go through it alone. When people get diagnosed with cancer like a family friend has, she needs people to come around her to encourage her. Someone maybe to listen to, someone to talk to, sometimes just to be there. We, we want to go through things in life and endure hardships in community. And God wants the same from us. When we go through these storms in life and in everyday living, he wants to be there for us. He wants to be our dad. He wants to 
be someone that we can go to and talk to. This is, what's da- this is what David is doing right now. He's going to his king. He doesn't find any strength from his own kingdom as a king, and so he goes to his king to find strength. He pleads to his God for more strength. And so we can do the same with our God. And so how do we truly get that strength? By keeping in communication with him. Jesus tore the veil when he died on the cross, giving us direct communication to God for every single need that we have. And so God has chosen to use this to communicate with us. He's chosen language. He's chosen words. He's chosen this book. We can kind of question all the time, like, God, why aren't you speaking to me? God, why aren't you telling me what to do? God, I just don't have enough strength to continue on with this life. Christianity is just too hard for me. I need, I need something more. He's given it to us. And we need to be taking it for what it's worth. We eat food every day to get enough strength to continue on in our daily activities. We need to be getting the daily bread every day so that we continue on in the spiritual acts that he's calling us to. When we're thirsty, we drink water until we're not thirsty anymore. So if you're spiritually thirsty, read the book and pray until you're thirsty no more. Get enough of the word. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and is sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. And able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is powerful. How much do we need the word? Jesus says in Matthew 4.4, 4, but he answered and said to them, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And what can we accomplish through this word? Romans 8.37 But in all these things, we have overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us. There's incredible things to be done, and there's incredible things to be seen when we trust God's word and we keep in communication with him through whatever we go through. God desires a relationship with us. That is why he sent his son to come into this world. Not for us to surrender our lives to something where we just struggle through life, where we just have no joy, where there's nothing to really give us anything. He told us to surrender so that he could give us strength to live this new life. This life full of abundance, of hope, of love, of grace. God provides strength when we trust him. Peter was this pretty popular disciple that we all know of. He's the guy that when Jesus was walking on the water was the only disciple really to speak up and say, hey, can I, can I meet you out there? Can we have a little, a little Slurpee 7-Eleven out there? So he's, he hops out of the boat, and he kind of walks out on the water, and he meets Jesus almost halfway, and then he kind of looks around, and he sees all these waves and his own life just kind of consuming him. And so he starts to sink, and Jesus is there to pick him up and pull him out of the water. A few weeks later, Jesus has died. He's risen. He's seen the disciples once more, and he's gone back up into heaven, and Peter's there on the day of Pentecost, and he sees the people that have persecuted Jesus, who put him up on the cross in the first place, and he stands up in the middle of Jerusalem and starts proclaiming the gospel to the people that crucified Jesus. He takes that huge step of faith, and he says, you know what, I'm just going to proclaim what Christ has shown me. He's seen the scars. He's seen the holes in his hands. He's lived with Christ. He's seen Christ die. He's seen the resurrected Christ. He's seen it all. And now he has faith to get up 
onto this little pedestal and say these words about Jesus Christ and how incredible he is. And God comes through and brings the Holy Spirit down for the first time onto earth for us to live with, for him to dwell in our hearts. God desires to be glorified in his strength. He shows Peter that once he takes a step of faith, that he's going to provide for him. Peter could have got up there and he could have said incredibly beautiful things. But it doesn't mean anything if the Holy Spirit doesn't come down and onto this earth to really truly speak through him. So when we take these steps of faith, when we say, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk to my coworkers about you. As awkward as it is, as weird as, as it is to really say the name Jesus outside of church, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust you and know that you're going to be there for me. God, I want first off for your mindset to be within me, to me, to be able to see that you're here, that you're working within my life, that there are things that need to happen. One thing that we can never, ever let go of when we're talking about living in God's strength is the joy of it. God desires to be glorified in it because when he gives us the strength, he wants to know that we're doing something good with it. If we are begrudgingly doing these things as like a checklist or because someone told us to, there's not a lot of love there. It's kind of like we're just a robot and we just do what we're told to do. But God wants more than that. He wants us to think creatively. He wants us to go out of our way. He wants us to think, you know, with love in mind, with a heart like his. He wants us to be true sons and daughters of him. He wants to use us. And he wants to give us the strength to do so. There's an incredible God out there that we're afraid sometimes to tap into because we're so consumed with our own life and we're so consumed with so much to do. But really there's just this simple, simple task before us to continue in the ways that God has been telling us to do from the beginning. So as we step out on the water where we're supposed to be living every day, out of the boat with our eyes on Jesus, let him be that rock that we're walking on as we continue to endure hardships in life but also the calm in life. Jesus, thank you so much for doing everything that you've done, for providing for us when we were not willing to truly commit to you at times. When we said, God, you are incredible, I thank you so much for your grace, and I thank you so much for what you've done for me, but Lord, I need help. I need help to continue on in what you're telling me to do. I need help to surrender more of my life to you, to allow you into the deep cracks of my life that you would please, Lord, just fill me and make me whole, make me holy and use me, God. I don't want to just be here in Georgetown and soak up church and not do anything with it. I want to do more, God. I want to be a light to this world. I want to know you. I want to know your word. I want to live in your strength through whatever I go through. So, God, Take me for as I am and use me and allow me to take steps of faith, however small, however deep, however far. Use me, God. In your name I pray. Amen.